0: Digging deeper into the day's top stories, you're listening to Jeff Andreas on 610 AM News Talk and RadioNL.com.
1: Hello and welcome into to the Jeff Andreas Show here on Wednesday, January 29th. I got a good show lined up here today. In the back half of the program, I'll be talking about mental health as it is Bell Let's Talk Day, a day to... Talk about the issues of mental health, try and break down some of that stigma that comes with mental health issues, and of course, a day to also raise some money as well for a good cause. So, I'll be speaking with the COO for BC Mental Health and Substance Use Services to kick off the second half hour here, and then to end things off. Of course, it's Wednesday, the middle of the week, hump day. It means it's time for another edition of That's Whack Wednesday. But to begin today's show, I am joined by the mayor of Kamloops here in studio. It is Mr. Ken Christian. Ken, how you doing today? I'm great. Good to be here. Good. You got your Blazer gear on. You're all ready for tonight? Ready for tonight's game, yeah. Perfect. It should be a good one. They got uh, Spokane here in town, so hopefully they get another W. I know their win streak just ended on the weekend, but uh, it's time to start a new one here. All good things must end, but I think they'll get right back on it tonight. I'm hoping. I'm hoping. I should be there as well. So I'm looking forward to it. Uh, of course, uh, Council Day yesterday, a lot <laughs> of stuff came up there uh, over the course of the day. I mean, uh, we'll, we'll start by taking a look here at uh, some sanitary sewer stuff because this seemed to pique your interest quite a bit here when I was uh, tuning in to what was going on at the meeting. So, um, you know, you're talking about Rayleigh and Currendale neighborhoods with a total population of just over 2,100 people. They're um, looking to get onto the Kamloops uh city service sewer system um so maybe just first and foremost why is this a subject that seems to pique your interest
0: Well, uh, I have a background in uh, health protection and uh, certainly a good uh, discussion about septic tanks really gets me going. (laughs) And yesterday we had that, actually. Uh, Liam Baker uh, from our engineering department was uh, uh, leading a discussion in and around a $75,000 study to uh, look at the potential to uh, sewer uh, both Carondale Drive, which is out uh, in the uh, north part of Westside, and then a, a connection over to Rayleigh. And uh, having sanitary sewer in both of those communities. So, you know, they've done a a preliminary uh, discussion with those neighborhoods. About 38% of the people said they're interested in learning more. So this investment would give us an opportunity to give them uh, some ballpark figures in terms of what that might cost. Uh, You know, uh, for those people uh, that are on septic tanks that are brand new, they're probably not that interested in it. But uh, uh, people whose septic tanks are 10 15 years old, they're aging out, and they're going to be looking at a significant expense and so it may be better for them to uh, look collectively at uh, getting together, uh, banding together, and and having uh,
1: sewers installed out there. Yeah, so looking to go ahead with this $75,000 study for local area services um, in that area, I mean, when you're looking at 38% of people signing off and wanting to explore more, um, you know, when we're talking about these sort of neighborhood improvement projects, I mean, is there like a threshold of how many people have to be on board to consider moving ahead with these preliminary studies? Because, I mean, it's $75,000. It's not a ton, but it is still a chunk of change. So I'm just curious if there's sort of a, a percentage of people in a particular neighborhood, if they have an issue, they want a sidewalk or whatever the case may be, you know, is there a certain percentage that needs to come forward just wanting to explore the option further? Yeah, it's it's 50% plus one. Uh, so whether it's uh, improving
0: sidewalks in Brocklehurst or uh, looking at something like this, you have to uh, go out there and have uh, an official referendum done in that particular service area, and you have to have the majority of those taxpayers' assent to that expense, and it will be a significant expense. We're we're going to be in the twenty to forty thousand dollar range per lot. So, you know, that kind of expense is is big money, and people need to uh, really have all of the facts in front of them. So, this study will uh, provide uh, a lot of those. Uh, And, uh, you know, we've been through this in Barnhart Vale, in Dallas, and in the uh, main part of Westside a number of years ago. And I was involved in that professionally uh, when I was working in that area. And uh, it's a big project. And uh, there are a lot of reasons for it. <clears throat> and there's a lot of uh, elements in terms of increased property value that need to be taken into the quotient.
1: And when we're talking, I mean, twenty to $40,000 a household, they assume that's um, over some extended period of time. That would be the case. I mean, if they decide to go forward with this work, I mean, do you know how long that, of, a, of a time frame they would have, or is that something that would come up as a result of the study? Well, <clears throat> the study will tell
0: that. But exactly, uh, Jeff, some people can commute that payment and pay it all off at once, Others will have that added to their tax bill, and that will be paid off during the length of time it takes the city to pay off the loan that we would have to make to uh, install those works. So, you know, it's a complicated exercise. It has uh, both a finance component to it and an engineering component to it, and uh, it needs uh, electoral assent. So it's a long process, but uh, yesterday at council we decided to uh, at
1: least uh, uh, start looking at it all right well that'll be interesting to see where that goes and then the study i'm sure we'll move forward and then we'll We'll find out how the community, or that neighborhood anyway in particular, feels about that moving forward. Um, let's move on to the Canada Games Pool here for uh, for a brief moment because, um, you know, it was a $9 million project and then staff came to council yesterday basically looking to up it to about $13.5 million. So yeah. an extra $4.5 million, nothing to sneeze at there, and it's going to close the pool for six months. I guess uh, just first about the project itself, because we had talked about this as part of the Recreation Master Plan, that there is a need for more pool and aquatic space in the city. Um, you know, have you heard a lot of concern? or? Are are you concerned about just, uh, you know, what this is going to do to uh, the aquatic uh, athletics here in the community with a, with basically the city's major pool being closed for six months?
0: Yeah, it's going to be disruptive. There's no question about that. Uh, and, uh, you know, I uh, asked staff yesterday in the meeting, you know, with us hosting the... Canada, 55-plus games, uh, right in the middle of a construction zone. Uh, You know, what's that going to look like? But uh, they assured me that uh, they would be able to uh, look after that uh, element uh, at the west side pool and the outdoor pools. Uh, And uh, the real issue will be in September when the outdoor opportunities close and and we're looking at simply west side pool and the Y as the only indoor swimming venues. Uh, It's going to be disruptive, but... This is a pool that's about 30 years old. It's aged out, uh, and uh, so the basic requirement to repair it is in and around that $9.9 million. But as staff were looking at that project, there were some other things that they felt that they could do that would uh, reduce an energy consumption and and uh, provide for better change rooms, better security, better access for disabled and that kind of thing. So uh, they uh, thought best do that while you have the con- building under mm-hmm. construction. And uh, so the total cost is in and around $13.7 million. So uh, how do we fund that? Uh, because we had only budgeted for the uh, $9 uh, million, uh, uh, we have uh, grant applications before the provincial government. Some elements of this project should be el- eligible for uh, grants. Uh, we have uh, funding available for uh, reducing energy consumption, so that should be available. And we're looking at uh, community gaming grants and those kinds of things, and uh, we're looking at prior year surplus. So uh, we don't want this to be an additional uh, element for this year's tax uh, hit, but uh, we want to get the job done. So yesterday, Council, you Unanimously, actually, uh, approved uh, them to go ahead with that. And that's going to be a big uh, capital works project. Darren Crandwell and his team will be on that just as they were on the West Victoria Street. But at the same time, we're going to be doing a big project on the North Shore, uh, you know, uh, into the uh, Tronkeel Road Mm -hmm. area and uh, out there. So, you know, we've got some big uh, projects on the go. But this is part of that asset management initiative that you and I have spoken about before that you know we are the trustees of literally billions of dollars of public assets in this city and it's uh, incumbent upon us to make sure that they're maintained properly and that we get the full life out of those uh, elements so this is part of doing that it's not sexy it's not fancy it's disruptive but it needs to be done.
1: And uh, just one of the things that you had mentioned there too was uh, you know most of this uh, additional work for the pool itself. You're hoping to uh, you know get it through grants and applications and things along those lines. But you did mention as well there was uh, potential to go into some of those reserves, so the previous year's surplus. Um, do you have any idea just sort of how healthy those stocks are at this point in time? You know, I asked our
0: uh, chief financial officer that yesterday, and and uh, she's just uh, with her staff closing out the books of uh, uh, 2019, and uh, you know there's going to be. Uh, some uh, time before they have uh, a prior year surplus number uh, and our reserve number. And uh, we've challenged our finance committee under the leadership of uh, Councillor Walsh to uh, take a look at all of the reserves that we have in Kamloops and and, uh, look at where they are right now and where they should be relative to what they're
1: supporting. Perfect. Yeah, I'm I'm just curious to get those figures, so I'll be looking to see that 2019 report. Um, Before we take a little break here, I also wanted to ask about the Kamloops Center for the Arts. They gave a presentation yesterday, uh, the group to council, and I heard Councillor Arjun Singh, who was on earlier here today, saying that you actually made a a speech or, or presentation to the KCA Arts Gala. Um, fairly recently. I was just curious if I could get a a little gist of sort of what exactly you were presenting there, Um, you know, trying to get the word out, because this is something we've talked about a number of times since we've been having our regular chats, and, um, you know, it seems that there's a continuous need to, you know, promote uh, this particular project. Yeah, you know, I I don't often use the gala
0: for a a platform for a speech, but uh, I felt... uh, uh, that uh, that uh, last gala was an opportunity to speak to the arts community collectively about, uh, you know, how I and council view this project and the importance to. Camloops, uh, uh, that this uh, succeed, uh, we believe that it'll be a transformational uh, kind of change to downtown Camloops if this is approved, and uh, we need the arts community to be speaking with one voice uh, in and around this project. And uh, uh, it was an opportunity to, uh, you know, uh, really talk to them about. Uh, you know, making Kamloops more livable by providing uh, spaces and places for uh, artists and and, uh, emerging artists to uh, perform. So... Uh, yeah, it was it was a good night and uh, and uh, it was uh, it was fun. I think my speech was well received, but of course it was a pretty warm
1: audience. That yeah, room, that right? that'll help for <laughs> sure. Um, definitely, still have some more to go over, and of course when we're talking the art center, we're looking ahead to that April fourth vote. So uh, this will not uh, be a conversation that stops here. I'm sure we'll have it a couple more times between now and then. But uh, I want to move on to some budget items, but I do need to take a quick break. So uh, we'll have more with the mayor after this, if that's all right with you, Ken. Certainly is. All right. We'll be back here in just a minute. So stick around. You're listening to Jeff Andreas on Radio NL 610 AM News Talk and radionl.com welcome back in here on Wednesday the 29th. Thanks so much for tuning in. I'm still here with Kamloops Mayor Ken Christian looking back at yesterday's City Council meeting and and one of the things that uh, was presented at yesterday's meeting was supplemental budget items. There were 11 total items on there. Not all of them are necessarily for the 2020 budget, um, but according to my math, we're looking at about $1.25 million worth of new items for this year and of those, about $385,000 are being proposed to be paid for through taxation. So, uh, Um, that's about 0.24% extra on top of what the current proposal is, which is about 2.76%. So we're looking at if everything were to just go ahead as is right now, about a 3% tax increase, uh, just initial thoughts on that figure. Is that something that you would like to see brought down or, or, or are you comfortable with that? You know, you're pretty good with the math, uh, Jeff. Uh, That's
0: pretty much spot on. Uh, But that would be dependent on uh, other sources of funding for some of those things. It would be dependent on whether council agrees to all of those. And it would be dependent upon uh, our uh, report from uh, the uh, BC Assessment Authority about increased uh, 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 ability to uh, have... uh, Assessments uh, reviewed in mm-hmm. camels, and it would uh, depend on that prior year surplus that we spoke about that's earlier. True, so a lot of variables, and and we've said through the piece that you know this budgeting is an iterative process. I mean it, it, it ebbs and flows as we move through it, but uh, somewhere under three percent is where I would be comfortable, as I think most of council would. Uh, but uh, you know we have to do what we need to do, and uh, that's list of supplementary budget items were uh, really uh, for the most part not things that are nice to do but things that we have
1: to do at Mm -hmm. some point and it's a question of how we fund them and when we get to those projects. Yeah, and, and among the items, I mean, I know the, the bigger ones seem to be coming from uh, the Kamloops RCMP, um, you know, a little bit here in this year's budget, uh, including a $750,000 study for renovations to the Battle Street Detachment. So that's, uh, I mean, that's looking at a much larger project when we're talking about a study to do those renovations, which would be on future years, I presume. Um, and then they're also looking at a new training facility. I mean, there's a lot that's coming up here in the next little while in terms of potential big new projects projects. projects. I mean, uh, are you, you okay with this? Are you concerned about just sort of the scope of some of the things that could be coming up in the near future? I mean, these are things that seem like they almost have to be done.
0: Yeah, I mean, we could spend the, the whole segment talking about uh, the police and some of my issues with police funding and that, but uh, there are a couple of pretty obvious things. One is that we've added members, uniform members, to the detachment over the last few years significantly, and mm-hmm. uh, now we need to catch up by increasing the complement of municipal employees that assist those officers in doing their jobs. So that's uh, a pretty much no-brainer, uh, you know, the efficiency of having uh, municipal employees do some of the tasks that they can do and not have uniformed officers taken off the street to do those kind of tasks is is pretty obvious. But there's some other things that are not obvious. Uh, One is, you know, the forensic lab. That lab is uh, providing services to the entire region. And uh, they've outgrown it, and and we need more space. So should the citizens of Kamloops pay for that uh, facility, which is largely a regional facility, or should uh, you know there be some kind of cost sharing with the province of British Columbia in in terms of that? So those are discussions that I'm having on an ongoing basis with the Solicitor General, and so uh, you know we need to keep that in mind. And and then there is the issue of training uh, right now. Uh, not only for the police, but for a number of uniform services. Uh, we go to Chilliwack primarily for uh, training, and the ability to repatriate that training here in Kamloops and, and have a training facility here makes some sense to me. So there's a, a lot of moving parts in terms of that, but remember, uh, you know, Kelowna spent $65 million on their police station there, and uh, so if you're going to spend those kinds of dollars, you best... Uh, study the entire needs so that you're not doing it in kind of a willy-nilly basis.
1: Yeah, and I believe, I think, $48 million was, uh, we were talking about that Kelowna facility, was uh, put onto debt. So uh, a big, huge project that they're going to be paying for for a very long time. The police here are coming forward looking for renovations. So that might be a little bit more palatable for the tax base than, uh, than a brand new facility anyway. At least that's what I'm presuming. Um, Anything else in particular on these uh, budget items that, uh, you know, these 11 specific items that were presented yesterday for information that could kind of stand out to you or, or anyone that, uh, you know, is kind of uh, a little bit near and dear to your heart. We have about a minute left here. So
0: yeah. And about two of them. One is the arborist, you know, and looking after the tree canopy and in Kamloops and, uh, you know, I, I was just uh, writing a paper the other day about carbon sequestration in terms of trees and the importance of trees in terms of our uh, battle with climate change, and, uh, and the other one is a recreational one, the, the Pickleball uh, ask, and you know, here's a group that have been uh, coming uh, for the last three years, and, and uh, I spoke with them, and I said, there's a few things I'd like you to be able to show me, and one was, can you bring more tournaments to Kamloops, and, and lo and behold, they've done that. The other thing I asked them was, can you get kids involved in pickleball? It's sort of a senior sport. And lo and behold, they've gone out and they've got kids using these courts in the afternoon and they're coming up with 12000 of their own uh, money on a $75,000 project. So, I mean, that's the kind of commitment it takes to get something through the uh, supplementary budget process. And they've been, uh, you know, true and, and stick by their guns to uh, get this. And so I am hope... I'll, optimistic, anyway, that that would uh, be uh, approved by council. Have you played pickleball
1: before? You know, I I have uh, a
0: couple of times, and I I think it's maybe in my
1: future. Right on. I talked to them uh, earlier this week. Uh, We're trying to arrange time to have a chat with them as well, because... One of the fastest growing sports, and it looks like a pretty easy one to pick up, and uh, it looks like a lot of fun, so I'm going to try it out, too. Thanks so much for coming in, Ken. Always appreciate it. Thank you, Jeff. Awesome. That was Kamloops Mayor Ken Christian. We're going to be talking about BC Mental Health Services on Bell Let's Talk Day. That's going to be coming up after this, so please stick around.
0: Digging deeper into the day's top stories, you're listening to Jeff Andreas on 610 AM News Talk and RadioNL.com.
1: Hello and welcome back to the program here on Wednesday, January 29th. Of course, today is Bell Let's Talk Day. It's a great initiative that brings awareness to mental health and the issues that come along with it. Whether that be, you know, access to care, the stigma around the whole issue of mental health in general, and just encouraging more people to talk about their mental health. In addition to awareness, of course, this day also raises money for a good cause and and here now to talk more about the state of mental health awareness in the province and the country as a whole. It is the coo for BC Mental Health and Substance Use Services, Dr. Connie Coniglio. Dr. Coniglio, how are you today?
2: I'm good, thanks, Jeff. Thanks for inviting me.
1: Yeah, well, I think it's a really important subject and uh, something that I wanted to talk a little bit more about here today on a day, of course, where it is being um, really promoted to talk about people's mental health and, and uh, just the issues that may be going on in people's lives that maybe they're afraid to talk about. So with that in mind, I just wanted to start by kind of asking how important have days Like this being over the course of the last number of years to sort of break down that stigma and encourage people to speak out about their mental health issues. I mean, have you noticed a big improvement in just the ability for people to come forward with their issues and talk about them?
2: Yeah, Jeff, you know, um, the Bell Let's Talk, I believe it started in 2011, and uh, around that time there was a lot of uh, work being done in uh, mental health literacy, as we call it. And a lot of people were starting to talk more about um, mental health concerns and about um, getting help. And I think that's continued over the years, certainly in the work that I've done with children and youth. um, We're seeing lots of activity on mental health awareness days and weeks and um, uh, in school activities and uh, other uh, programs where uh, youth in particular are talking a lot about uh, mental health and really sort of shifting the conversation to being way more open than it ever was before. Yeah, and that's interesting when you talk
1: about the youth aspect of it. I mean, I think uh, when we talk about those who are afraid to come forward about their issues, whether it makes them feel weak or whatever you know feeling they might have that comes along with having um, you know a concern or an issue with your mental health and the state of your your thinking. Um, you know, kids are a little more open to uh, you know unveiling their problems and and telling a. Telling it like it is, essentially, um, you know, have you noticed like, you know, kids are, are maybe a little bit more um, easy to confront when talking about what concerns they might have or what problems they have in their lives? Um, you know, as we see more and more progress made to break down that stigma and it kind of starts with that parental level, but it's really, um, you know, trickling down towards the kids who are, you know, maybe more open when it comes to their issues.
2: Yeah, I, I agree. I think that they definitely are. I mean, you're seeing lots of change in school environments where uh, youth are uh, leading their own mental health awareness events and days, and that's something that's new over the last 10 years or, or so, and there's lots of activity uh, in the social media world that's very positive um, and led by youth and young adults and just you know something really important most um, mental health concerns really start in youth and adolescence, so we really want youth to talk about it and to seek out help if they need it because we can really make a difference in the lives of young people um, before those you know those illnesses really set in into adulthood.
1: Yeah I think that's a great message to put out there and uh, not something I guess guess I would necessarily think of is how they start at that younger age, but of course that does uh, make perfect sense. Do you have any idea how many people may be accessing mental health services at any given time in BC? I don't know if you can be specific, but just in a general sense, I mean, would you think that there's only a portion maybe of those who could actually use more mental health supports that are actually accessing them? Um,
2: You know, uh, the the, the recent statistics in BC are that between 18 and 20 percent of people in British Columbia uh, are experiencing a mental illness or a substance uh, use issue at any time that's you know about one in five people and you know related to stigma and related to other issues in people's lives not all of those people are getting help that's definitely for sure Um, and we know that there's a need out there um, for people to get the help that they need and there are things that That we can do to make that to improve that um, including providing services both in person and online Uh, And there's lots of interesting work being done now on stepped care models which is really providing services that start online uh, where people can get immediate help and then learn more about mental health conditions and then perhaps reach out and get direct support, in person support but I agree I think it's because of stigma particularly um, not everyone gets the help they need
1: and and with that in mind, and talking about how maybe it has become easier to access services with things like online supports, um, you know, I'm just curious from your perspective how difficult you maybe feel the system is to navigate. Because I know there's a, a lot of people when I talk uh, about mental health services, you know, there's a you know maybe a particular uh, service that's available in one building, and then uh, if you want uh, you know help for your substance abuse issue, you have to go somewhere else completely different. And you know if you're getting bounced around from place to place to place, it can be difficult to continue to have that encouragement to go about seeking help for your problems, right? If, you, if it's really difficult to, to access, and, and, you know, it, when you're talking about mental health, probably the ease of access is, is really important to make sure people do go about talking about their problems. I'm just curious how you feel about the system itself. Is it difficult to navigate here in B.C.? Is it getting better?
2: I think the system is improving. I can give you one example where some things have changed. Um, there's a, a, a new program, relatively new program, called Foundry that's opened up in communities across BC for youth and young adults, again, focusing on that population. And um, it's really made it easier for youth and young adults to kind of find help quickly in cities and towns where it's sort of a street-front uh, street front accessible location. And that's, I think, a model that works really well for all populations is really being able to access services when you need them. There's also some great resources online, um, two in particular, the Kelty Mental Health, Uh, resource center site which really provides lots of great streamlined resources and heretohelp.ca which is also an excellent um, resource. I think it's a complicated system there's no doubt about it as you say Uh, And we have to work really hard to try and make it more accessible and make it easier for people to get help when they need it. And just also keeping in mind, often people seek help when they're in a crisis or when they're feeling, you know, emotionally very fragile. So that makes it tough as well.
1: I'm really glad you brought up uh, the foundry centers as well, because that's something that um, our local school board, the Kamloops Thompson School Board, was talking about at their meeting a couple of weeks ago. And it's, uh, you know, there's, I believe, six new foundry centers are proposed to open in communities across BC. And uh, Kamloops here, we're hoping to get one of those centers. And uh, for those listening, uh, I know the school board itself wants letters of support to help get one of those centers here in Kamloops. I think that would be a big uh, help to our community, a real good thing for the, the community here. So I just wanted to point that out since you you had brought it up and i think it's a really great program and and one i hope to see here in the not too distant future um i'll get you out of here on this connie so um you know today is bell let's talk day so it's a day to you know talk about our mental health and and the concerns that people may have with their own well-being but what do you have do you have any advice maybe for people um who who are looking at a friend a family member who may be going through something do you have any message for them to make sure that they do go about talking about the problem and you know as, as uncomfortable as it may be it's it's probably important to get that word out and start that dialogue
2: yes i think it's so important if you're a friend or a loved one of someone who's struggling to really reach out to them and offer them support it doesn't have to be complicated it's just you know i'm here for you and can I help you and direct them to resources? And as I said, there's some great ones in British Columbia, particularly here to help for adults and the Kelty t Mental Health Resource Center, and even just encouraging people to go online and look up resources themselves, and then just being available for them, just making sure that a person who's struggling knows you're there for them, and not being afraid to just get that conversation going.
1: Awesome. Well. Thank you so much for taking the time to come on and speak with me here today, Dr. Caniglio. I think this is a very important subject and it's a great day to, to continue to, to have these kinds of conversations and make more people aware of the issues and uh, make them hopefully more willing to talk about them as well. So thank you so much for doing this. Really appreciate your time. Thanks, Jeff. Have a great day. You as well. That was Dr. Bye bye. Doctor. Connie Coniglio, the COO for BC Mental Health and Substance Use Services. So yeah, like I said, today is Bell Let's Talk Day. Uh, it's a great time for, you know, raising awareness about the issues that surround mental health, the concerns that people might have. Substance use as well, of course, is a mental health issue as well that can be lumped in there. Um, you know, it's really important that people who have concerns go about talking about them. That is always the first step is being willing to talk. And uh, you know, this isn't a new conversation it's something that uh, people have struggled with for a long time is the uncomfortable feeling that comes with talking about someone's mental health you know starting that conversation asking if something's wrong not always the easiest thing to do but uh, can make a huge difference in someone's lives so remember that uh, you know on a day like today it's bell let's talk day so make sure we talk about our concerns our problems what's going on in our lives don't suffer from them alone uh, there's always someone out there willing to listen and, uh, hopefully we can continue to make it easier to find those people. And like I had mentioned there earlier when I was talking with, uh, Dr. Coniglio that, uh, you know, we are indeed looking for that, uh, foundry center here in Kamloops. Like I mentioned, the school board was looking for some letters of support. So send those letters out to them. Uh, hopefully we can get one of these centers here in our community and really help ease that access to, to care and those mental health supports and services, uh, in Kamloops. I think it's a great initiative and, uh, something I would like to talk more about and, uh, the best way to talk more about doing that kind of thing is to have those centers here in town. So let's uh, let's make some progress there, and let's improve our mental health uh, overall, our mental health outcomes. It's an important time. Bell, us talk day. There you go. Coming up next, it is a new edition of That's Whack Wednesday. Yes, it is the middle of the week, so it means it's time for that segment, That's Whack Wednesday. Stick around. More Jeff Andrea show coming up after this. <laughs>
0: The voice of your community. Radio NL 610 a.m. News Talk and RadioNL.com. Here's Jeff Andreas.
1: Welcome back to the show here on Wednesday. Yes, it is the middle of the week. Hump day, if you will. And of course, that means it is time for That's Whack Wednesday. It's That's Whack Wednesday. Air! Let's start with the coronavirus. Now, the whole situation to me is a little bit whack. I mean, when watching the news, it almost has this weird 28 days later vibe to it. It's just the beginning of some mass killing disease that is only going to slowly spread across the world. That's the way it feels to me at this particular point in time. Now, I don't believe, of course, that's what's happening by any means. But watching some of the footage, the number of people that are flocking to stores to buy hospital masks in an attempt to stay safe. I mean, the fact that that particular response by some people is not limited to those in China, because there I kind of get why it might be a concern. Why a hospital mask on your face might make you feel a little bit more confident about your protection from this coronavirus. But here in Canada, I mean, I think that's all just a little bit I mean, the first case of the coronavirus in B.C. was confirmed yesterday. Now, in response to the news, face masks began flying off of the shelves yesterday in Vancouver. People were rushing to industrial supply stores, plumbing wholesalers and other retailers Look, everyone, I mean, there is one confirmed case in BC. I get that people may be worried, but I think it is important not to overreact here. Like, I am sure there are some scared kids out there believing that the end of the world is coming when they see adults freaking out like this. And I got to say, I think that is just a little bit. Now, one concerning thing is those who are stuck in or near Wuhan. The most frightening thing for one Vancouver couple stranded in quote-unquote ground zero of China's coronavirus outbreak is not knowing what's coming next. Yes, I get that. That is a scary feeling. One 28-year-old man from B.C. said, At first, when they started the travel ban, I wasn't too scared because I thought, you know, it would maybe be a week or two. Well, now... Who knows how long it will last? This man, Edward Yuan, is on a honeymoon and extended vacation in Wuhan with his wife, his new wife. Well, I think this is a vacation that, well, they're never going to forget, I would say. But maybe not for the best of reasons. Although I hope they still got in a few good memories out of the trip. But listen... All I'm trying to say is going on your honeymoon in a place that has some big viral outbreak and then getting stuck in this crazy anti-germ frenzy or whatever you want to call it. The whole situation is a little bit I feel bad for this couple. Honestly, that's a terrible thing to be doing. I mean, you were just going on vacation. You were just about to, you know, um, enjoy this new love that you've created, that you've come into. And you're going to celebrate it and have the time of your life and to have a vacation you're going to remember forever. And now you're stuck there wondering if you're going to get sick. And that just doesn't sound like a great place to be now. As much as getting stuck in the epicenter of the coronavirus is a bit sucky, I think even worse for us here in a different continent is the fact that it has made it here in general. Look, it was almost inevitable, I get it, with the amount of people that travel from place to place to place, uh, you know, especially in Vancouver where there are uh, flights to China. You know, you're sitting in an airport where people are coughing and sneezing and hacking and not washing their hands and touching vending machine buttons and drinking out of water fountains and whatever else that you might do around an airport that could easily result in the transfer of germs from one person to another. There's just so many ways for this thing to spread, and yet for some reason, I find the whole situation a little bit whack that it is here, um, and I'm hoping that this gets under control quickly because if this, a, if this is, you know, a whole 28 days later situation, I'm afraid I'm probably not going to make it, and I got to say that, my friends, is a little bit whack. All right, that's enough about the coronavirus here. Let's move things in a bit of a different direction. I think this is more of a positive thing, but I'll leave that up to you to decide. I just tell you what's going on. It's up to you to make your own decisions. But I thought this was a bit of a positive story. New research has found that a single dose of the psychedelic compound found in magic mushrooms has eased anxiety and depression for a group of cancer patients for more than four years. A 2016 study showed that a group of cancer patients were given a dose of synthetic psilocybin in order to determine whether the drug could help with symptoms of cancer-related anxiety and depression. At the time, the psilocybin appeared to work as 80% of the patients reported their symptoms faded and the effects lasted up to six months. But now, a new study suggests a more long-lasting effect. The new study, published in the Journal of Psychopharmacology, followed up with 15 of the 29 patients who received that one-time treatment of psilocybin and it found that 80% same number, we're still experiencing significant improvements in anxiety and depression four years later. Now, we're talking 15 people. It's a very small sample size, but it doesn't change the fact that they are feeling a little bit more positive about their cancer outcomes. Now, one patient in this study said they had great outcomes of chemo treatments. You know, they were told that things looked good, and yet this one individual just had this constant fear of relapse and concern that their cancer would come back. Now, Of course, this would be a tough way for anybody to live, always wondering and worried about what's happening to your body. But this patient said that after one hit of the synthetic mushrooms, she went through a period of six months with no anxiety at all. And she says years later, some of her social anxiety had returned, but she was noticing improvements related to her worries about cancer overall. I mean, this seems like a pretty cool piece of news, and it sounds like a pretty good excuse to maybe go out and do some mushrooms, but with that being in mind, you do have to get cancer first. So hopefully, we'll never have to go through this type of treatment in order to reduce our cancer-related anxiety, but the fact that it does seem to be working and does seem to be something worth exploring. a little further I mean this in a cool way I think that is pretty whack oh that is whack now in conclusion let me just wrap things up here by saying if you want to feel less scared and depressed about your diseases your cancer diagnosis whatever the case may be I guess you can consider some magic mushrooms and if you're overly worried about the coronavirus well here's a tip stay away from airports Relax a little because stressing too much over something you can't control is just not a great move. And uh, hopefully we'll get this thing under control soon. We'll have less stress, less worries. The world will be a little bit safer. And uh, yeah, we can stop freaking out about this disease that we can do absolutely nothing about other than sit here listen and monitor and this is one of the problems with things like social media that we have in 2020 is that if one person gets scared it's so easy to spread that fear to many many others and i think that's the situation we're finding ourselves in right now so relax stay calm Take some mushrooms. Your anxiety will be eased. All right. This is why I love Wednesdays, man. I, I, it's just a great day. Uh, you can call it That's Wax Wednesday. You could call it, uh, well, you can call it whacking Day if you want. Whacking Day. So there you go. Thank you so much for listening. This has been another edition of That's Whack Wednesday. That's Wack Wednesday with Jeff Andreas. Well, that about wraps things up for me here today. I want to thank all my guests for joining me. And, of course, a big thank you to all of you for listening. Don't forget, of course, it is Bell Let's Talk Day. So make sure that, uh, you know, you talk to those who you have some concern about. Or if you are concerned about yourself, reach out and uh, talk about your issues. The only way to improve those problems is to talk about them. So it's an important day to remember that. And uh, Bell Let's Talk Day. Hashtag Bell Let's Talk. Of course, uh, every text you send and uh, tweet, you tweet, uh, you know, helps donate some money to the cause as well. So it's a good day. Uh, It's Wednesday, and uh, it's Bell Let's Talk Day. With that in mind, thanks so much for joining me. And whether you were here for a short while or a long while, just know that I enjoyed our time while it lasted. I'll be back here tomorrow at 9.